0: Welcome to the Fruitful and Fearless podcast, where we're serving up gospel-fueled courage to the Christian woman to remain faithful in her calling. Hello, and welcome to the Fruitful and Fearless podcast. Jordan Sparks here today, and I am with my good friend, Paige Van Vorst. Did I say your last name right?
1: You did. <laughs> Yay, good.
0: I, I practiced saying it real confidently, but then I'm like, I just need to make sure that I said yeah. it right. I just need a double check. <laughs> For a long time, I said your name Paige Van Horseth and I have no idea where I got that because it's like not it. even close to what your last name actually is.
1: Well, my maiden name is Corpening
0: with a CH, and okay. so I'm
1: used to all kinds of very creative ways of being <laughs> referred to. So I'm fine. I'm good. Yeah, You got it right.
0: Yeah, I kind of think it's funny whenever people say names wrong just to see what they come up with. Like Valor, <laughs> Valor, one time we had a doctor's appointment and they were like, Valor, Valor Sparks. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> yes, I named my child Valor. Valor. <laughs> Very fancy. Obviously. Uh, so, anyways, Paige is here today and we're going to talk about women's health and fitness and Um, all those things that you start thinking about when the new year rolls around, I guess. We're going to hit that topic, and I'm very excited about it. But first, I want to tell everybody a little bit about something cool that's happening on the Fruitful and Fearless website. So we have all the groups available, and then there's different tiers, and I just added to the second tier a study of the Book of Jonah. So I don't think that you need my help to study the Bible. Uh, I don't think you really need anybody's help to study the Bible other than the Holy Spirit, but... Sometimes I do think it is helpful to use things like commentaries or study Bibles or in-depth questions as you read through a book of the Bible. So Jared, my husband, he is going to be preaching through the book of Jonah. And we wrote this together a few years ago just for ladies at our church as we went through a book club Bible study. And so I thought that I would put that up on the Fruitful and Fearless website in case anyone would be interested in that just as a perk for that second tier. Or it'll also be in the shop for $5. If you don't want to have a membership, that's totally fine. But you would like to do the study with some um, fellow Christian women, then it is available for you there. So I just wanted to make you aware of that. Moving right along. So Paige has a big family. So I thought a good icebreaker to ask you would be how to cook for a group. Do you have any tips about cooking for a group since you do that on a daily basis?
1: (laughs) Well, oh, that's such a hard one because I mean, so I have eight kids, but when we have people over, I'm like, oh my gosh, what do I cook for a group of people? (laughs) Um, Because I feel like everybody's cooking for a group, right? Like everybody's cooking for their own group of people who like certain things and eat certain quantities. But then once you start to add other numbers to your group. You're like, well, I don't know if they like that. And I don't know how much they eat. Um, so, I mean, honestly, I think the biggest thing is just get really familiar with actual ingredients. Um, because then you can scale it relatively easily. If you know how to make a cream sauce, then you can scale more or less. If you know how to cook a roast of meat, you can buy a bigger or smaller one. Um, I think just being really familiar with ingredients, makes really any cooking so much easier and you can very easily just kind of scale it to your size family or to having guests. And I think too, when you're cooking for a group, just understanding and being okay with the fact that somebody's not going to like it. I think especially for moms, we try and like bend over backwards to like make a meal that nobody's going to complain about. <laughs> but really, It's less about the food and more about Achieve the character. Achieve impossible. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh my gosh. There's somebody that's just not going to like it. And so just like being okay with that and not trying to like, okay, well, if they don't like this, then I'll make them a peanut butter jelly sandwich or they can have a snack or they just like, just feed it to them. Let them yeah. like it. Let them not like it and move on with your day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that is something I would like to ask you. So do you have some picky children and some not picky children? Do you have all not picky children? Do you have all picky children?
1: Um, I have some that are a little bit more delicate yeah. <laughs> of palate, shall we say. Yeah. Um, I have some that have some texture issues. I have some with bigger appetites or smaller appetites. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, anytime you're dealing with a group of individuals, you are going to have a spectrum. I do try to train my kids from a very early age like you eat what's put in front of you without complaining. Now, yep. if you're 3 years old and you have something in front of you that you don't like, 3 bites is enough. Now, you won't get dessert afterwards. But if yeah. you want to be done after 3 bites, cool. That's fine with me. But you cannot register your complaint. I don't want to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> you must say thank you for the food and you don't get something else instead. And I think it really does train them pretty early on I think it's fine for them to have preferences, but they're not allowed in our house to be picky, if that makes sense. Right,
0: yeah, yeah. At our house, you're not allowed to say like negative things about the food. You can't say, this is gross, or (laughs) you can't see things like that. (laughs) That's so demoralizing, isn't it? Like you like
1: stand there for like an hour making dinner and
0: somebody's like, ew, and you're like totally deflated. (laughs) This is disgusting. (laughs) This beautiful dinner that you made with a little sprinkle of parsley on top so gross right right uh, <laughs> so yeah not allowed to say things like that the worst that they can do is say this is not my favorite thing so yes. that's that's our code in our house for this is not my favorite thing means i really don't want to eat a ton of this <laughs> okay. can i be done after a few bites and move <laughs> yeah. along so yeah we exactly used, we used to have lots and lots of food battles and then i'm like okay we we need to focus on the heart here and on gratitude being thankful that we have food in front of us being thankful to the lord that he's provided and then move along so yes yeah, when similar my
1: husband is really good at like encouraging the kids to say thank you to me for preparing it yeah because I think when you I mean you know when you cook with kids they're more willing to eat it because they know the effort that went into it because they put the effort in mm-hmm. but I think when it's like thank you to mom for making the food it makes them more aware of like well somebody put the work in somebody you love put the work in and they put it in because they love you back so yeah maybe this isn't your favorite meal but is this one of your favorite people? Yes. And that's yeah. the more important thing. Yeah.
0: Our kids say, thank you, mom, for making this food. Thank you, dad, for buying this food. <laughs> and oh, I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. So anyway. Okay. So let's talk about what we're actually here to talk about. <laughs> so this all got started because I, so after I had Providence, my core muscles did not go back together, which it, I have learned goes by a lot of different names, but I call it diastasis recti. Um, which I think is a pretty common term for it. After going to physical therapy, I realized that they, there's a lot of different uh, terms terminology for essentially the same thing. Your ab muscles stayed separated to a certain degree and there's a a normal degree of separation what people consider normal after having a child and then there's the degree where your your core no longer fires and it's like nothing there as my friend andrea said it's like flexing your ear it's like trying <laughs> to do something and just nothing's happening and that is what exactly. was happening to me and i i like asked my ob is this normal i feel like can you ref- like i feel like i need physical therapy can you refer me to a physical therapist and the response that i got was no, that's just a cosmetic issue. Like it won't cause Uh, you problems. And I'm like, I feel like it might. And then lo and behold, it did end up causing me some back problems that I had to go to physical therapy for. And praise God, I had a really great women's health physical Mm -hmm. therapist that gave me great instruction and advice about core strengthening and just training my muscles to go back together. And like how it's kind of like learning a new way of how to use your body. And so anyways, I was talking to Paige about all this and um, just about how it is so important for women to take responsibility for their health that you really, there are times that you can't trust the quote unquote professionals because they'll tell you things like, no, that's just cosmetic. And you're like, but is it? So just just how important it is to take that responsibility to learn and to grow and to seek out good resources and use one another as good resources. So anyways, Paige and I have been talking about this and Paige has been a great resource for me in my life of just giving me good advice about lots of things, uh, motherhood related. And I thought it would be fun to talk a little bit about women's health and fitness and um, just maintaining health through different stages of life.
1: Mm, Yeah. Yes. And I, I mean, I think I was telling you this morning, I had read somewhere that in Chinese medicine, they say women die a thousand deaths because every month you're kind of going through this growth and regression cycle, but from a Christian worldview, it's really less a thousand deaths and more a thousand renewals and resurrections, you know, like you have a thousand opportunities to kind of move the ball ahead, but you have to know how to leverage those opportunities or you really can. I don't know, because there's this different seasons, there's constantly different seasons, there's dealing with chronic illness, there's dealing with injury, there's pregnancy, there's breastfeeding, there's just like the regular monthly cycle of having your period, there's all kinds of things going on, um, all of which need kind of an awareness of your body and what's going on. And so it is like a lifelong learning process. I really do feel like it. As soon as you get a handle on one season of life, it's a new season of
0: life, isn't it? (laughs) So true. It's so true. And every time I've gone through something, I've been like, you know what? I just learned so much about that. And now, and I see it as an opportunity now that like, you know what? If this happens to someone around me, I'm able to pass along that information. Yes. and just seeing it as a blessing instead of like, oh, another thing that we're going through, another health issue or another sickness or whatever it is. Just seeing it as an opportunity to grow and learn and then be able to pass that along to yeah. either your children or like my, my daughter will hopefully have way more knowledge of women's health than I had or have. And um just being able to think about generationally learning and growing and going through health related things that it's not mm-hmm. just about me, but it's about mm-hmm. the people who are around me and then my generations also and, and how how my patterns and my knowledge will impact them. So yes. It's kind yeah. of interesting. Whenever whenever I was telling you about going to physical therapy, you were like, you know, it is kind of interesting that they treat women who are having babies as drug addicts instead of yeah. athletes. Like, yes. like where, so say that analogy because you, you, I'll butcher it and you'll do a better job. <laughs> but I thought that was such a good analogy. Well, I found, I found
1: after about my third child, the medical industry stopped treating me as like, I don't know, like a pregnant mom and more like a person with a lifestyle problem. (laughs) Um, (laughs) that I just had this like addictive personality and I was like addicted to something that was bad for me and I was destroying my body. And if I would just stop it, then I could regain my health. Right. And so I do think that the medical industry sees mothers of many children as a health risk or a health problem. But if you were to take that and apply that to say a marathon runner You would see, okay, well, this person requires specific nutrition, specific training, maybe prone to specific kind of injuries, but you wouldn't approach that person and say, hey, I think you're making a terrible lifestyle choice. I mean, I Mm -hmm. personally would argue that marathon running is perhaps not as healthy for you as having a bunch of babies, but how you see fruitful moms it's very, there's a worldview there that's very prevalent and becomes more and more noticeable as you start to have more kids because you do start, I mean, like you said, after your third, you experience diastasis. I experienced diastasis after my third, um, I experienced postpartum hypothyroid after my fourth, I think you said you had some hyperthyroid. Mm-hmm. You do start to notice these things crop up over time. And medical professionals will often kind of treat you as like, well, you ruined yourself. So what's your plan moving forward? Yeah. You, you get want the you 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 want- it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like, I don't really feel bad for you because you chose this lifestyle. And if you want any kind of medical sympathy, it will only come if you will agree to go on some kind of hormonal treatment. Mm-hmm. If you will have yourself sterile, like, it's crazy to me what they see as the solution to, longevity issues that come with like, well, I'm using my body a lot. Like my body is going through a lot of, like I put out a lot of energy Mm to live the lifestyle that I do. And so instead of condemning me, supporting me would be awesome. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. One thing that you had said was like, if a marathon runner were to like sprain his ankle or something, you would give him the proper care. They would, you know, help him out and say, okay, good luck on your next event. But instead with us it's often like you should really stop this stuff
1: right it. right
0: um, so I this just is your that
1: sign that you shouldn't keep yeah. doing this it's like well yeah. maybe uh, you know but like maybe it's just like well this is just the kind of thing that crops up when you do this a lot so yeah. if you could support me in healing so that I could go back to what I was doing that would be really great
0: <laughs> yeah So I wanted to mention a scripture, 1 Timothy 4, 8, like the end of 7 and 8, rather train yourself for godliness, for while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also the life to come. So obviously this scripture is talking about um, spiritual training and about how godliness is of more value than bodily training, but this verse is also saying that bodily training is of some value. Because I think that there is a tendency to see, well, our life is a vapor. It doesn't really mean anything. We disregard or are unfaithful with our physical bodies. But scripture is telling us that our bodies are actually of some importance, that training our bodies, yeah. there is importance there. And I I also think it's interesting, Jared and I talk about this a lot, about Christ's resurrection and like all the implications that it has and how it's cool to think about that Christ really did resurrect bodily, Mm. that this tells us that our physical bodies matter and that we're not Gnostic with our physical bodies, that we're, we're not saying that only the spiritual realm matters, but we're saying, no, like flesh and blood, Christ came back to life and that that matters and it gives, although Christ will give us a new body and eternally we will have a, a resurrected body, flesh and bone matter now too, because Christ resurrected bodily. Yes. I just think it's interesting to think about that. Um, well, and when you think about how we were
1: designed, like in the garden, we were created as holistic people, spiritual people, physical people. And at the fall, what happened was death entered, which is a separation of spirit and body that's a very unnatural state. And what the Lord promises is mm. a reunification mm. of the spirit with the body. And so even in our worldview thinking, we can't, we can't faithfully continue to keep, well, this is my spiritual life over here. And this yeah. is my physical life over here. And God really cares about the spiritual life, but not so much the physical life. Cause really we're, we're in training to see those two things come back together and awesome. I, I also, I also think it's kind of an immature way of thinking when you think that your body has nothing to do with your spiritual life. And I think that that, that this verse is talking about that. Um, it's not only a picture of the goodness of discipline, but it also is itself a tool for discipline when we're training ourselves to exercise self-control in eating or exercising when we don't feel like it or taking care of ourselves so that we can run the marathon of motherhood when we're eating well, we feel better when we're sleeping well we treat our families better like there there is this hand in hand aspect of the better care you are taking of your physical body the easier spiritual discipline becomes exactly Um, and so i i really do think that like the lord has given us our bodies as tools for further spiritual development and as we become more mature in our spiritual development it should be evident in how we treat our bodies as well
0: yeah that is such a good point because the goal of fitness or healthy eating or any of that stuff it's not so that we can look like a 20 year old forever mm-hmm. this isn't the goal is not to like not age and to just look as young as we possibly can forever like that's a very non-christian worldview but yeah we, we see glory in aging and know that God has a purpose for me in this life as long as he will allow me to live it and i want to do it to the very best of my ability being the most faithful that i can with this temple that he's given me yes. and and like you said to to be the mother to the best of my ability is that my body is continuing to be strong so i can lift up my children without having pain yes. or that i can yes. have energy to run around with them or take care of them or like you said not snap at them um so yeah i think i think that's such a good a good point of it goes hand in hand And I think too,
1: just recognizing, like you said, our bodies are eternal. They will be resurrected. This very body will be perfected, but it will be the body that you're handed back. Um, And so I think when we are talking about anything in terms of our eternal inheritance, if somebody were to give you an inheritance, how would you treat it? And I think understanding that this is the body that will be resurrected someday, I'm not going to treat it like garbage Because if it's clearly important enough to God to hang on to for a while and then hand back to me forever, it needs to be important to me now as well, not in an idolizing fashion and not like you said, approaching it from the way the world sees bodies, which, I mean, you kind of touched on it, but like, we have a very warped understanding of what our bodies are even for. I mean, these Mm -hmm. people that are pursuing health at the expense of everything else often aren't spending it in fruitfulness. They're spending it in selfishness, even just looking at ideal body types. I mean, you know, you were there in the nineties and the early two thousands. It was like the ideal feminine body type was like that of a 12 year old boy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And now (laughs) the ideal body type with all this CrossFit and stuff is like a grown man. Like we're supposed to look like these big buff men. It's very bizarre. (laughs) It's interesting to watch what the ideal is. And it's very often not an actual feminine ideal deal Mm -hmm. that we're even pursuing. It's that of a child or it's that of a man, or it's that of somebody who looks like they've never had kids or somebody who looks like they're not like, it's all very unrealistic. I think Christians have the market cornered on a realistic way of approaching health that doesn't fall into these weird ditches that people very easily seem to fall into.
0: Yeah. So you mentioned CrossFit and that made me think, so how should a woman, how should a woman work out like where our goals should be far different than our husband's goals in quote unquote working out. If you're working out, I mean, I use that term really loosely because working out could be something very natural that you're doing, like gardening. I don't, I don't mean necessarily going to the gym, although it could be going to the gym if that's something that you do in your life. We, Jared and I, we go to we go to the gym in our town, usually twice a week, but. My goals in working out are not to be a protector. Jared is going Mm. to the gym because he wants to be the best protector and provider that he can be because that's what God has called him to be. I am not called to be a protector or a provider, although I do protect at times, but I am going to the gym to be the best nurturer and mother that I can be. And and being able to be the healthiest that I can be although I do want to gain strength I'm not trying to have the biggest biceps that I could possibly have right right so so what are your thoughts about working out as a woman versus working out as a man and how that differs
1: oh that i think i think it's really interesting i was talking to you this morning about how they don't even Women are not often used as even trial subjects in exercise and nutrition studies. They often, when they're studying, let's say intermittent fasting or they're studying body weight exercises or whatever, most trial subjects are still men. So when they're putting out this, like, well, you ought to be doing X number of minutes of cardio every single day or whatever, they're speaking based on information they've gotten from looking at men, not women. Um, I think women need to be moving their bodies. They need to be lifting heavy things. Um, because over the course of time, if you don't use it, you lose it. And you have an obligation to keeping yourself healthy and strong as you age so that you don't become an unnecessary or preventable burden on your children. Not that as Christians even becoming a burden is not a huge problem. We ought to be burdens to one another. We will be burdens to one another. Um, but not unnecessarily. So not preventably. So, um, so I think women should be looking at gaining strength, um, gaining flexibility. I think this is a weird one, but I really do think women should be stretching a lot. Um, what yes, happens? We've in birth? talked about this. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it prevents So stretching. much pain. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So oftentimes in our house, like if my kids are like, I have a headache, I'm like, have you stretched? <laughs> <laughs> um, like I really do think because your body is being asked to shape shift so mm-hmm. often, especially yeah. through pregnancy and postpartum. Like, I think part of what we're seeing with diastasis, um, is an inability for our connective tissue to withstand the strain of large changes Mm -hmm. in a relatively short period of time. But if you're working on spinal flexibility, if you're working on hip mobility, um, ankle mobility, so you're not falling while you're pregnant. Um, I think women really should be stretching and strengthening Pilates is a really great way Mm -hmm. to do that. Um, things that I think you will know it intuitively, looking at the body type of women who, um, practice different exercise regimens. Um, you are not looking to be a meat stick. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So like marathon running those women, they lose their periods. That tells you that something is not healthy with their hormones, Mm -hmm. with the way that they are exercising CrossFit very large and bulky Pilates is long and lean. It produces a feminine shape. I think You kind of intuitively know what feminine exercises are by the kind of body they produce. I don't think that we need to be like trying for a six pack or looking to be sexy or anything like that. But is this promoting feminine health? If you just kind of step back and look at feminine shapes and say, what kind of exercise is promoting that? It's not tons and tons of cardio, it's not tons and tons of like crazy weightlifting. Um, It's really just moving, stretching and doing a little bit of resistance training. And I think that's probably as much as women really need to worry about.
0: Yeah. So of course there are genetic differences. So Mm -hmm. before I even say what I say, all body types are different. There are certain people that will run and run and run and maybe never have the meat stick body. And that's fine. That's why I like it that you said our goal is not a meat stick, but our goal is health and feminine beauty. That should be our goal. So of course, everybody is different. I'm not talking about an ideal body type or an ideal size or anything like that. I But my personal fitness goals are to have energy, to have core strength, to avoid frailty and avoid getting hurt. Um, and then recently, it's been the pelvic floor and the core trying to get that in a healthy place. And the cool thing about it is you will have positive benefits to working out like a woman. Like it can have positive, like you said, marathon runners lose their period. It can have positive hormonal benefits to you when you do work out like a woman, whenever you are doing things that promote health as a woman, but also maintain and gain flexibility. And like I said, just be the best mom, wife, faithful church member that I can be. And being mindful of what is going on in my body and uh, addressing whether it be injuries or uh, something that's going on. But I really like guided stretching. So I'm thankful that we live in a time that you can literally YouTube anything you need to YouTube. Like, right. There's so and you many can just videos. do it
1: from home. I, I love know. it.
0: Yeah, so we have no excuse to not be faithful in um, addressing what's going on in our body. Any kind of a guided stretching situation has been really beneficial to me in the past. So, okay, let's talk about healthy patterns. And I think it was, I think it may have been Todd that posted something a while back about how we're raising our grandchildren's parents and Mm -hmm. about the way to affect our generations is to be faithful, to teach our children, to teach their children yeah we are setting up these patterns that are normal for our kids in all areas of their life so whether it be doing family worship with them teaching them to read their bible and how to read the bible and to be faithful in that teaching our sons to work hard teaching our daughters to work hard but in a domestic way and just teaching them what normal is and that also happens with nutrition and fitness So the example in my mind is like, if every single night after supper, you all sit down to candy and ice cream, and that's normal for your family. Okay, well, that's setting a pattern for them that then as their children, every night after dinner, you sit down to candy and ice cream. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I'm not saying that candy and ice cream is terrible 100% of the time in your life, like there's freedom to enjoy God's good gift of candy and ice cream. That's fine. But if you set mm-hmm. up a pattern for this is normal and this is what we do every day, then that will then be passed down to your children's children. Mm-hmm. Um, and and just seeing that healthy patterns can also be passed down. So do you, does your family live a sedentary lifestyle or does your family live an active lifestyle whenever you have free time and days off? Do you sit in front of the TV and veg out all day long? Yeah. Or do you guys go for a hike? Do you work in the yard? Do you do a project together and get your hands dirty and use your muscles and use your legs and run and laugh and play outside? What is normal for your leisure time? Is it things that are active or is it things that are sedentary? And that, but then the flip side of that is also what is normal for your family for rest? Do you observe rest on a day of the week that God has set aside for us to rest? That metabolically, we need rest. And that's the way God created our bodies. And so are we observing Sabbath rest for an example for our children and also for the health of our bodies? Patterns. Do you guys have certain patterns in your family that you try to make staples for your children to see? What are your thoughts about that?
1: Oh, I would say ours is pretty organic. We don't set aside like this is our exercise time. Yeah um, I do after meals, um, I do have the kids they have a few chores that they're each responsible for and then one of their chores is we have these little exercise cards so like 10 squats or five push-ups or whatever and they draw a couple cards, they do a couple exercises um, you know to just kind of keep them moving through the day. Um, so we do do that. Um, but it's a lot of like go outside and play. Like yeah. kids run. Like, have you yeah. noticed this? Like, they never walk anywhere. They know it's so, always running. <laughs> the second they get outside, they're just like running back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just a lot of outside time, a lot of limits. You do need to be aware of setting limits on like my kids don't have phones or Kindles. Um, they do get at five o'clock if they've cleaned up all of their mess, they can watch TV for a half an hour, a couple shows that we picked. Um but that's after the rest of the day. So if they ask me at two thirty in the afternoon, can I watch a movie? The answer is no, go outside. Right. Um, so I think part of it is just kind of setting a routine that doesn't have a whole lot of, um, sit around time. Yeah. So that's part of it. I also find that just kind of being with your kids, first of all, being with your kids, you, if somebody has a headache, you can ask questions like, okay, well, do you need a neck massage? Have you drank water? Are you Mm -hmm. tired? Did you sleep very well? And they start to kind of pick up on cause and effect a little bit. Yes. Um, That's so true. And so I have one kid. She is not an outside kid. She, she is a book reader. She likes to sit and read books. She likes to write music. She's not a huge fan of just like going outside and playing. Mm -hmm. Um, But maybe about a year ago, she started developing like POTS syndrome, like symptoms where just like very shortness of breath, a regular heartbeat, weakness, like almost like dizziness and confusion. She started noticing if she walks on the treadmill for a little bit, she feels a lot better. So she's actually requested, we moved a couple months ago and we haven't pulled out our treadmill yet. And just a couple of days ago, she's like, mom, can you get out the treadmill? I think I'll feel a lot better if I can be like moving when I need to move. Yeah. Um, they start and she's 12, you know, I mean, they start to notice, well, when this is how I'm living, yeah. this is how I feel. So when I eat yep. a bunch of candy, if I have ice cream and candy at night, I can thank the Lord. That is a good, good gift. Also, I know that I don't wanna live like that. That's not Mm -hmm. what I want for every meal because I don't feel super great afterwards. Um, So I think just kind of having those conversations organically through the day, they start to pick up on those little cues. when I move my body like this, or don't move my body, or I have some kids that after half an hour or an hour of TV, they just like come up, they don't want to watch it anymore. They mm don't feel good.
0: Yeah. My head hurts.
1: (laughs) Yes. Just, they feel sick to their stomach and their head is funny. And um, so I think just making them aware so that you're not the one don't eat ice cream. It's bad for you. Don't watch TV. It's bad for you. It's like, well, if you can kind of see the cause and effect for yourself. I don't have to be the one to badger you. I'm equipping you with skills that you're going to take with you to kind of be aware of what your body is doing Mm -hmm. in general.
0: Yeah. And just helping them with that cause and effect. Like, hmm, your head's hurting. It's probably because you watch too much TV today or, or have you drank enough water today? Maybe if you get a glass of water, that'll help little things like that, just dropping tidbits in here and there. I've noticed that with my kids too, of like they'll Jared and I laugh actually, because my, my uh, question always, when anyone has any ailment is like, have you drank enough water? You should probably get yes. a glass of water. <laughs> and like, well, honestly, like, such a cure-all. I really do I know. feel like you're probably just dehydrated. It's probably a little bit of mild dehydration, but <laughs> yeah, that we laugh. They're like, when they're adults, you're gonna be like, mom always thought all we needed was a glass of water. <laughs> Their arm is broken and you're like, I just feel like you haven't had enough water. Yeah, you're probably just aching because you don't have enough water. And Jared's always, he's always like, Valor or somebody will be like, I can't go to sleep and Joe will be like, just lay on your left side and yes! you'll be fine. That's such good advice. Lay on your yeah. left side and take a few deep breaths. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, mom says you just need water. Dad says just lay on your left side. There <laughs> um, it is. Yeah. That is the cure to society's yeah. ills. You right want to feel there. better? Lay on your left side and drink a glass of water. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, okay. So there's differences in the woman's body during childbearing years versus post-childbearing years. Obviously, we are still in the childbearing years, so I don't have as much information about menopausal and post-menopausal women. I think just the awareness that there is the changing seasons of a woman's body to be aware of, and those changing seasons can happen not even with as big of things as entering menopause, but it can be smaller changes as we as we change a decade, as we get a couple of years older, there can even be smaller changes. So I think just being aware of the seasonalness of a woman's body of what is needed, what is needed for me, how many calories do I need to be eating? Because it's probably more than I am eating, (laughs) you know? Yeah. How do I fuel my body? What can I nourish my body with? And being aware that all the choices that I make throughout the day of what I put into my body, what I surround myself with, if I am outside versus inside all day, like, all of these things contribute to how I'm feeling and just being aware seasonally of those different things that are needed. So I just kind of wanted to make a note on that, just of the different seasons of a woman's life and, and how different things are needed.
1: And I, I think too, like the better you can take care of yourself in one season, the easier you're making life for yourself in the next season. Oh, absolutely. Um, and so it's almost like a compounding factor because mm-hmm. life is, you know, it's a line. And so what happens down the road is at least in part dependent on what happened further up the road. And so, I mean, I think it's really interesting pregnancy and childbearing and breastfeeding. They're all highly protective um, health-wise in the long run. they're finding women with large numbers of children have longer, it's called telomeres on the ends of their DNA strands, which make you age slower. Breastfeeding is protective against breast cancer. It's, The more you can take care of yourself in these seasons of child rearing, the more children you can have and the more children you can have, the more protective of your longevity and your youthfulness in the long run. Um, It's not just like a wives tale that like, oh, children keep you young. Like they literally do. (laughs) Um,
0: And and it's such the opposite is what culture will tell you. It's like, oh, no, they're sucking the life out of you, literally sucking the life out of you, that you you are going to age faster and feel worse. Which when you look at it that way, it's like, do children have
1: the potential? (laughs) Do they have the potential to drain you? Yes, they do. If you are not being responsible for caring for yourself, but Mm -hmm. who is in charge of your health, you or your children. Um, and so I think if you are doing a good job of nourishing yourself, of learning about your own particular body, I know about myself that certain things cause my thyroid to kind of slow down. And I know my thyroid is slowing down because. Oh, well, the color of my lips changes. My hair starts falling out. Digestion is different. I, I am starting to learn about myself, how to, to tell what I need. Um, and that is actually a good gift from the Lord. The more children Mm -hmm. I've had, the more I've learned about myself and how to take care of myself. And I think in the long run, that's going to be protective of health ills down the road. And so I do think, like you said, the world's story is that they say the word parasite, they use the word parasite <laughs> for yeah. children. And it makes me so sick. Ugh. Children do have that potential if you are not being responsible for yourself, but in the long run, children are more of a health credit than they are a health debit. If you're taking care of yourself, obviously. Yeah. So.
0: so what are some preventative measures that you do personally just to maintain health or to keep thyroid in check, or if you plan to get pregnant or hope to get pregnant in a few months, what are some things that you do? It really just depends. I would say overall,
1: really good advice just in general is to be eating nourishing foods. Um, Mm -hmm. I follow a lot of the wisdom from Weston, a price and the pro metabolic world that is kind of coming into the spotlight right now just fits very neatly in with Weston price. So just like plenty of protein, eat plenty of protein, the carbs that you eat, which are good for you. Don't go keto. Please don't go keto. Mm-hmm. Um, carbs are necessary for women's hormones. So like the carbs yes. that you eat should be worthwhile carbs. Like don't mm-hmm. be gorging yourself on junky crap, which is in some it's right after Christmas right now, when we're recording this, right. <laughs> it's easier in some seasons to give that advice, but in general, making sure you're getting enough protein, making sure that the quality of the calories that you're consuming are as high as they can be. But in seasons where I need to lose some weight, I found Trim Healthy Mama to be really helpful.
0: Hold on just one second. Yes, Yes. I was texting Jared if he could grab him, but hold on just one second. Okay, okay, I think we're good. All
1: (laughs) righty. Okay. So just in general, I would say just making sure your calories are nutrient dense. But if I'm in a season where I need to lose some baby weight, I have found Trim Healthy Mama is very helpful. If I'm in a season where my thyroid is kind of rocky. I I have learned through a lot of trial and error that gluten is difficult for me and it causes certain issues. Now, I, I don't say that lightly because... The Bible is full of bread. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't think that this whole wheat belly thing that like people were not evolved to eat grains. I think mm-hmm. that's ridiculous. But for me personally, gluten is really hard on my system. So I need to be more diligent about not eating gluten. If I'm noticing some issues right. with my just thyroid. Just giving your
0: body a chance to revamp. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Found in seasons
1: where I'm having some hormonal ups and downs that doing like a whole 30 um, has been helpful for me. So it's just... It's kind of like when your kids are having things, you Mm -hmm. troubleshoot as it comes. So overall, Mm -hmm. these are the things that we do to stay healthy overall. I want you to be drinking enough water. I want you to be getting enough sleep. But if you come to me today with a specific ailment, well, then we're going to kind of troubleshoot it with the things that I know work. And so you just kind of learn that over time with your own self as well. So those are the things that I've found to be most helpful for me in kind of the ups and downs of different seasons of childbearing
0: yeah yeah mine are similar to just making sure my iron is making sure I'm being mindful about iron um mm. preventatively like eating a lot of meat <laughs> and and not being scared of meat but being thankful for meat and yes. especially meat with that's very high in iron and um and high in other nutrients too that are really good for me um and then there's specific issues for p- specific people so it's hard for me to say but like I had kidney stone issues with providence so like I'm going to be trying to make my urine as acidic as possible. So I'm like <laughs> doing apple cider vinegar shots, drinking lots of lemonade. There, it's just very specific for specific people. But I think that's the point of it is not yeah. waiting until someone else tells you this is what you should do, but knowing yourself well enough to know, I know that this is my tendency. I know mm-hmm. that my body tends towards this way in this season of life or I know that when I'm not doing this, I feel like this, but being mindful to be responsible and to be proactive towards health for the long, for the longevity of your life. So yes, agreed. So I also think that, of course, we cannot control everything, that God is sovereign, and we also make real choices, but we can't control all the things in all of our life that's that's health-related. Of course, there's natural consequences for things that we do as well. So just like having that balancing act of like trusting God, he's sovereign in control of all things, and he is good, and we also make real choices that Make other things happen. If I ate nothing but candy every single meal, there would be bad consequences for me. Right, right. Um, And like just trusting that, like, God is caring for my body and that uh, the Bible says a cheerful heart is good medicine, that I can be cheerfully trusting Him and cheerfully living my life, knowing that He is what holds all things together and not me. Yes. I remember when my kids were really little and I was
1: starting to kind of learn a little bit more about nutrition. I kind of went off the deep end a little bit, which I think a lot of people do when they come to Weston a. Price or just some kind of nutritional approach that's page radically stage. different. Yeah. Yes, page, stage, page stage of anything, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> so here I am like on my feet hours a day, like soaking my grains and mm-hmm. souring my bread and nothing that's bad, but just very time consuming when I had very little kids. And it became very, very heavy. And I remember coming to a verse in Romans I wish I could remember exactly where it is, but it said the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, Mm -hmm. and joy in the Holy spirit, whatever you are doing needs to, to be from a place of, am I pursuing righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy spirit? Um, am I able to receive things with thankfulness? Um, because elsewhere in the Bible, it talks about how anything received with thankfulness is clean for you. And so we can't, we can't be so consumed with our physical health that, that it becomes atrophying to our spiritual health. And, but then on the flip side, like you said, like we are responsible if we ate candy every single meal, because well, it's received with thankfulness, right? (laughs) You know, like, like there are real world consequences. And so I do think that Christians need to approach food at any point with thankfulness and cheerfulness. Like you said, thankfulness that I have a wide variety of options to pursue health. Like at what, at what other point in history could we just walk into a grocery store and have (laughs) so many nutritional (laughs) foods available to us. So I can't complain that eating healthy is hard. Is it hard? No, it's not, you know, like cheerfully, Mm -hmm. I can watch what I eat cheerfully. I can train up my children, but also cheerfully every night or every Friday night in our house is pizza and ice cream night. And so we, we have pizza and ice cream and we enjoy it and yeah. we cheer for it when it gets put mm-hmm. on the table. And so I do think that Christians need to understand that like you are called to pursue all things with cheerfulness and thankfulness, mm-hmm. both health and feasting. Feasting yeah. is a good skill to
0: develop as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what I was just thinking about. Like in what other time of history has it been so easy to yes. cook? To yes. cook when else have we been able to have an Instapot? Like when else have we had crock pots? Like when else have we had an oven that you turn the knob and it comes on for you? And then a dishwasher. And when else have we gotten to just like walk into a grocery store and somebody says,
1: well, do you want beef or pork or chicken or fish? And you didn't have to
0: raise this in at all if
1: you didn't want to. Right. Exactly. (laughs) I mean, I think that there's, there's definitely an advantage yes to like learning some of those skills Mm -hmm. but if you don't have the skills you're not going to starve like you get to walk into Mm -hmm. the grocery store and somebody else has fed that cow butchered that cow shipped that cow and here you get to just pick out which cut you want and take it home and feed your family
0: yeah we are very blessed Very, very blessed when you think about the frontier woman and (laughs) the way that she lived her life to wash the clothes To how long it took to wash the clothes to get the water, you know, Andrea, my friend Andrea had posted a thing on this uh, on Instagram a while back of just like, the amount of time that that would have took and the steps that were needed to make it happen. And the same with food, we live in a time that we are so fortunate, and yet so weak. (laughs) Yeah, like like we it has seriously weakened us to have the abundance that we have, because we don't see the blessing of it. We take it for granted. We think, of course, that meat comes in little styrofoam packages like that's what meat is. It's just magically in these styrofoam packages. And whether we verbalize that or not, like we kind of live like that. We don't realize that it really took work for people in generations before us to actually have the things that we so easily get from the grocery store. So, and, and not only that, like we have the ability to get food from all over the world. Like the amount of variety that we can have in our diet is just unheard of whenever you would go back even a hundred years, um, that I can have spices from other countries very easily. Like it's no problem for me to have spices that you know, my great grandparents probably did not have in their, in their cupboard and mm-hmm. that we can have different tastes and textures and, um, meats and veggies and fruits that are from so many different places. And yet we complain because we're like, oh, I've cooked so many days this week. It's right. like, well, you know, that's what happens when you want to eat. <laughs> right. Well, and to just think like,
1: um, I am not an exerciser by nature. I know that there are some people who really like they like it for its own sake. I'm not like that. And Mm -hmm. in my head I can grumble like, Oh my gosh, I don't want to do this again. But like, if you think about it, like women of previous generations didn't have to walk on the treadmill or go outside for a run or lift weights because you know what, they were hauling water (laughs) and they were chasing cattle. And like, just the fact that I have to discipline myself to move my body enough Mm -hmm. is an indicator of just the overflow of the Lord's blessing. Mm -hmm. Um, And so really, honestly, it's a lot of just like, what is my perspective here? Is it, oh my gosh, I have to exercise to keep myself healthy. Or is it, I've had enough food today that if I don't move my body somewhat artificially by like by choice, I'm not going to have enough work to do to move my body enough to burn off all of the good food (laughs) that the Lord has provided me with. Like, I really do think that that's almost what he's getting at with like anything worth Uh, received with thankfulness is clean for you. Like if you really think about every time you put a plate in front of yourself, just the amount of blessing that you take for granted three, four, five times a day when you eat, you know, like the Lord is so kind to us. Mm -hmm. So it's a privilege. It's a privilege to have our eyes opened to the ways in which the Lord is caring for us. And it's a privilege to become Christ-like
0: in learning to care for ourselves. Yeah, that's so good. Uh, Do you have anything else that you want to touch on before we wrap it up?
1: I think the the one thing that I have really come to see over the course of childbearing, and we kind of touched on it, um, is feminism has infiltrated medical care. They will, you will inevitably come into contact with some kind of health issue that you will need help with, and they will tell you it's either not a big deal or it's treatable with antidepressants and birth control. And then women feel frustrated and they say, oh, this is a patriarchal system. (laughs) Mm -hmm. They don't treat women very well. Well, they don't. But the reason is because we have not, we have not, we've abdicated health. We have given it over to the experts rather than taking it into our own hands. I think we have a lot of ground that we need to regain. Um, The medical system will leave you feeling frustrated and it is not, Many health experts for women are not looking for you to have more children. So I really do think you need to be very discerning when you're looking for health information. Look to older Christian women who are healthy, who have healthy children. They are going to have information that you're not going to find in a book or from a doctor. They will have personal experience Mm -hmm. um, that they can share with you. Because I think over the course of time it will become more and more obvious that like they don't want to make you healthy. If you're going to use your health for fruitfulness and maybe that's more conspiracy theorists (laughs) than I really need to get. But I really do think like the only person who is genuinely concerned for your own health and fruitfulness is you and you need to seek out people who want what you want for you. And I don't know that the medical industry is going to be, the best source of information. I've also learned that medical practice is reflective of medical research that happened about 15 years ago. They're on about a 15 Mm -hmm. year delay. Mm -hmm. Um, So we know now that diastasis recti really does impact a lot in terms of functionality for women, but doctors still are not there yet. we know that thyroid issues are causing a lot of what we're seeing in terms of metabolic disease, in terms of heart disease, even you know, if your hair is falling out, if you're constipated, if you're gaining weight and you don't know why they'll tell you, well, it's just because that you, you know, if you can't sleep, if you, there's like a whole list and it's all thyroid related, but they will say that you're crazy. If you think that it might be your thyroid, it's just because you've had babies and that's just what babies do to you. Or they'll um, run a
0: thyroid test and it'll come back. Uh, normal. Oh my gosh. And they're like, sorry, your thyroid's normal. And you're like, no, wait, it's not though. And then they're like, can you run the test that has all the numbers on it? And then you see it's not normal. Right. Well, it's like,
1: first of all, who determined what is normal? Right. Yeah. By whose standard is Todd, my husband's question all the time. By whose standard? Mm -hmm. Who is saying what is normal? Yeah. Second of all, is the test even testing? the functionality of what you are wanting to see. Mm -hmm. Um, And so yes, they'll run your TSH. And if it's between one and four, then you are healthy. And you're like, well, but I came in with this list of 104 things that are not right right now. Mm -hmm. They're like, well, but the test says you're fine. It's like, but that's, I don't know. I don't know that that's the most accurate way of determining whether or not I'm fine. So I think just Not putting all your eggs in that basket, I think is all I'm wanting to caution women. Um, They don't know as much as they want you to think that they know. They don't know as much as they think that they do know. Healthy Christian women, older Christian women are probably your best source of information just getting started. How are you feeding your family? How are you exercising? Mm -hmm. What does that look like for you? What health problems have you encountered and how have you treated them? I know when I was younger and starting to have kids, there was an older Christian mom. I thought she was just bananas. She, she was like a water drinking kind of mom. Like, have you had a glass of water? I'm like, <laughs> Why do doesn't fix everything, Amy. <laughs> it really does. She knew so much more than I did. And I, I had to learn to gain wisdom from her because it looked very different than what I was seeing in a medical model. She felt she fed her family much differently than most people. She treated her family much differently than most people when it came to illness. And it turns out over the course of time, like the Bible says, wisdom is proved by her children. Like all you have to do is watch somebody's life to see, well, are they healthy? Are they healthy as a result of what they're doing? And a lot of, of medical care does not produce a healthier person. So I don't know, that was kind of a diatribe, but I think just being very discerning about where you're getting your information.
0: Yeah. I remember something that you told me after I, or I think it was when I was pregnant with Providence and I was talking to you about like postpartum care and how to just care for my body after I'd already had two babies at this point. But with my first and second, I had, well, I wasn't trying to, but inadvertently bought into this really feministic view of postpartum care where it's like Mm. the sign of health is the quicker that you get back to doing what you were doing. And, and so thinking that like, as soon as I have a baby, if I am healthy, I will pop back up a week later and just be, you know, working, doing whatever I need to be doing and acting completely normal and going on with life and uh, and just bringing the baby along with me. And the problem with that was my body was not recovered after one week. I was not recovered enough to be You know, doing everything that I was doing and it had negative impact on my health because I wasn't taking the time to rest and really recover and allow my body to be slow at that and allow my body to be nourished and be cared for by other people and I almost saw it as a sign of weakness to rest. And to care Mm -hmm. for myself and to let other people care for me. So I wanted to be done with that part as quick as possible when really what I needed was to chill out and to slow down and to let my husband care for me and to let my mother and my friends care for me. And I think that we should be cautious as we are having babies that we're not just seeing it as like a very quick and done situation because it's not Mm. quick and done. Like your body doesn't go back to normal as quickly as you think it does. Okay. Maybe you feel better a couple days later, but it's not done healing Right, and just being just more caring for yourself and, and allowing other people to care for you during that process. Yes. Yes. And I think one thing I really
1: had to learn was, okay, well, yeah, you can get back to normal relatively quickly if you push yourself, but then you spend a lot of time feeling very not normal. Yeah, Uh, You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. postpartum depression rates are outrageous. Prolapse, um, just malnutrition, like you see health starting to break down. So yes, in one way, could you get back to normal pretty quickly? Yeah. But at what expense of normalcy later on, you know? And so I was dealing with with my first few, I had some deep postpartum depression that I have since learned for me personally can be entirely avoided
0: by getting enough sleep. Who knew? Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. And so like, I remember when I put that together one day where I was like, <laughs> whenever I'm feeling real off and anxious and sad, if I take a nap, I feel completely different. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> right. Exactly. Where, are like, I, I don't know, like our culture is not going to teach us that we, it's almost like we're toddlers again, having to learn Mm -hmm. very basic realities about health building. But yeah, if I'm eating garbage right after a kiddo is born, I'm not going to be rebuilding my health very quickly. Mm -hmm. So I think with my sixth was when I was just like, you know what, after a baby is born, I take six weeks, like six weeks, which ends up feeling super long. (laughs) Um, (laughs) but like I get out of bed, um, as rarely as possible, especially the first few weeks, I stay horizontal as much as I can. Gravity is not your friend <laughs> when <laughs> your uterus is trying to go back into position and stuff like that. Being vertical is not helping you. So lay down. Um, and when you're laying down, guess what's easier. Sleeping is easier. All of these things kind of fall into place. If you've kind of set this cocooning period, I'm not mm-hmm. going to target. I'm not going to play dates. I barely go to church. I mean, the Lord has said in the Old Testament, there's a period of uncleanness for women. 40 days after a boy is born, 80 days after a girl is born, you're not hosting family, you're not okay. going to church. Like somebody else is coming and cooking food for your family because yeah. you are ceremonially unclean. Everything you touch <laughs> like ceremonially <laughs> unclean. Um and I think it's just kind of an enforced period of rest for mothers. Yeah. Like it is okay to take a few weeks to be very not normal because yeah. after that you do feel more mentally normal. You do feel more stable. You just, it's really a matter of deciding when do I want to be normal? Like, is it right away at the expense of the long-term or is it like, well, I can wait a few weeks and let things be really weird for a while, Mm -hmm. but then I can feel very stable and healthy, moving back into a season of normalcy.
0: Yeah. And I think if you just begin to appreciate and accept that God did make us seasonal, he made us seasonal, then you can enjoy that season of this is not normal. It's not normal for me to lay around this much. It's not normal, but it's good. It's good for me. And God created this really special time that I get to slow down and appreciate that and love that and enjoy that rather than trying so hard to resist it. And then when that's done, being faithful to then get up and work, work hard because God created us to work hard also. And to be just to be accepting of that, like God made our bodies in a certain way to work really hard and to rest really well and to do both of those things to his glory.
1: Well, and I think too, you find over the course of time that resting well is its own kind of work. Like it takes its own discipline and its own commitment and its um,
0: preparation.
1: Yes. And so to feel like, well, I'm not doing anything is like, well, you're not doing some things, but other right. things you're actually doing very well to tell yourself, no, I'm not going to do that right now because I'm too busy laying on the couch because that's the work of the day. What is the work of the day? And can I do it faithfully? And sometimes the work of the day is resting. So right. yeah. Yeah. Learning to discern.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I could talk to you about this forever, Paige. This is so interesting. I'm going to have to have you come back on again and we'll have to do part two because this is this is fascinating and I love it all. I love it too. I love it too. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much for coming on and thank you everybody for listening. Um, Paige, do you want to give them away to find you? If they want to follow you. post some great memes. You should oh. definitely give them your Instagram handle. I don't know if people are ready for it. Um,
1: <laughs> my Instagram handle, Instagram handle is the mini van borsts. um, all one word the mini and then van borsts. and it is a private account, but I'll approve you. <laughs> so go ahead and request to follow.
0: Yeah, um, and then I'm just gonna give this because I feel like people are gonna ask me. For, so for diastasis recti, Katie Bowman's book is really helpful about diastasis recti, and then also just finding a women's health physical therapist. Those are my two big pieces of advice because I know that's so common, and um. Uh, Honestly, through those two things, mine went back to normal in like three weeks, two or three yes. weeks. I remember talking yes. to you, Paige, and you were like, it's the easiest thing in the world to get it to go back <laughs> to go back to normal. And I'm like, I don't know if it will be, but it really was like mm-hmm. having the right, the right tools for the job, in uh, it, and it made a world of difference. And I'm yes. so thankful. But anyways, yeah, just wanted to throw that out there because I feel like there's gonna be people that want to know that information. Yep. So, anyways, thank you everybody for listening. Until next time.
1: Hey, everyone, we want to thank you so much for listening to the Fruitful and Fearless podcast and continuing to come back. You guys have certainly been an encouragement to us, and we hope we've been an encouragement to you as well. We want to continue this work, and we need your help to do that.
0: If you'd head over to the Fruitful and Fearless website, it's just fruitfulandfearless.com. You can find memberships there that are different tiers contain different benefits to you as well if you want to just support us for the heck of it because you're enjoying the show that's always a blessing as well but we try to make it even more worth it for you with recipes groups for homeschooling okay. and cooking baking natural health we try to put as many resources on there as we can but thank you for your support it greatly helps our family